Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 281st edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the Professor Emeritus, Matt Perkins. And a post route across the Harpeth from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. When I say happy, you say birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Matt. Happy birthday to Matt. That's what they used to do at my elementary school when someone mm-hmm. had a birthday. The lunch ladies would come out and sing. They they were all they like that. That was their favorite part of their day. So uh, well, if if you if you didn't guess it, it is it is uh, Matt's birthday. So happy well, birthday! I thought for Matt, I would prepare um, one of his favorite coaches' coaching impressions, singing "Happy Birthday" to him in the style of Marilyn Monroe. So this is Lou Holtz. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh, sweet Jesus. Happy birthday, Matthew Perkins. Happy oh birthday, Matthew Perkins. <laughs> Happy birthday, Matthew Perkins. Holy shit. Happy birthday, Matthew Perkins. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, that was the best birthday present I got. Bar none. Bar oh, none. Whoa. I mean, don't get me wrong, coach. The walk in uh cooking cookbook that you got me are gonna go to very good use. Yes. But that is gonna stick with me forever. Yes. I expect some of those desserts next time you come over. I expect them. You can surprise I will, me. I will. I will absolutely surprise you. Well, I don't think anything is more surprising than Lou Holtz X. I stepped out of the room. What Monroe. happened? Uh, you missed a performance of a lifetime. Sir. Yeah, I, pass, I passed Lou in the hallway. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, 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 he should. Thanks for letting me use the bathroom. Um, <laughs> And he did his Marilyn Monroe impression. Oh, yes, he does a good one. Yeah, yeah, he, he does do a good one. As most of you guys know, we're presented by betonline.ag, and it's better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Guys, it's you know we are winding down. We've got two weeks mm. left in the regular season. Lou Holtz uh, ain't winding down. <laughs> he's he's winding up, um, or he, he's getting wound up, I should say. Uh, so let's get into it quickly. Uh, we will start this week. Let's talk. Uh, Georgia-Tennessee coach, you know, I think a lot of people were a little bit nervous about this Tennessee game. They saw 
the Vols attack starting to, you know, really round into form. And, you know, especially after that first drive of the game, I think a couple couple dogs fans might have been a little bit on edge. Yeah, we, we played passive in that first drive. I, I think uh, I was trading text with Israel, who's my uh, who's my co-star on uh, Believe in Georgia Dogs and now Beast of the East. Um, and I we were texting. I was like, man, you know, not 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 a great start. And he's like, yeah, we just need to play aggressive and uh, play man, play tight, force him, force him to run on us. And uh, lo and behold, like two series after that, uh, that's what we did. And got after got after hooker and things were a little bit different uh we played we finally went back to our style of defense and guess what it worked uh we were they they harassed hooker all day long could tennessee couldn't run on us yeah they had a few uh deep shots but a lot of in in consequential consequential um if i can say that word correctly but uh and, and offensively i mean stetson at this point I mean, every time every time I doubt him, he just comes and balls out. Um, James Cook, best game yeah, as a dog. I would say I called you on on Saturday, Coach, and yeah. I guess we ended up talking on Sunday because I think you were uh, looking at the back of your eyelids at the time yeah. I called you on mm-hmm. Saturday night. But oh, uh, exhausted. I called to tell you that that was the best James Cook I'd ever seen. Yeah, it was, um, and and I think finally Todd Monken found a way to use him like effectively, and and. He just, just, just looked so smooth. Was gliding in and out of run lanes, and just was essentially, for all intents and purposes, unstoppable on on Saturday. So, I mean, I, I just think the game plan was to 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 feel them out. Like it looked like kind of a heavyweight fight. You feel them out, and then okay, you realize that their their haymaker is not really much of a haymaker. So. You take their best shot, and then you go deliver your blows and 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 the knockout. But um, the last touchdown was a cosmetic touchdown, um, so really gave up ten points when it mattered. Um, but just again, those tempo offenses that the thing that disrupts those things the most is over aggressiveness, right? Um, if you can if you can get home on a few blitzes, if you can get home on some of your pressures, even if it's just four man pressure. You're going to be in really, really good shape, and and Georgia did that, and and that's what, you know, again to to attack a, a style of defense that Georgia plays, you run right at it. Uh, same thing on on a tempo offense, you run right at it, force them because they're just used to getting in a rhythm, and then getting back on the ball and staying in that rhythm, and once they get you off rhythm like Tennessee did in that first series, they just rip rip the ball right down the field. Well, Georgia disrupted Tennessee's rhythm from from that point forward. And it was a whole different ball game. So, well, you, you know where there was no rhythm this weekend? It was in the Iowa Minnesota game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there. Uh, not a lot to say uh, for that one. I, I will just say very quickly about the Georgia Tennessee game. Uh, when you look at the time that Tennessee had their turnovers, quickly Georgia points. There was a turnover on downs, led to a field goal. Um, you know, I, I think Tennessee feels like they uh, did not play their best by any stretch. I, I don't think that this was necessarily 100% a Georgia blowout. Georgia was obviously the better team, but I, I think if Tennessee had played a better game, uh, might have been a pinch closer. But yeah, let, let's talk about uh, the pig. Floyd Rosedale stays in Iowa City. It's now seven in a row. 
And, uh, you know, this one, this one comes down really to PJ Fleck having a horribly coached game, just a horribly coached game. So um, Minnesota's offensive line killed us, just killed us, blew us off the ball every time. Kai Thomas had 29 carries for 126 yards. Um, they also got uh, some nice push. Uh, their uh, um, their uh, second kind of off uh, off pace back, I guess. I don't, it's hard to know their roles. It's, they're so banged up at running back. Uh, but I guess their guy who does not have as many carries as Kai Thomas, we'll call him. Marquis uh, Irving. Yeah, but Chris Marquis Irving. He also had 80 yards on 70 carries. That's well over four yards a carry for both of them. Um, so it's like, just keep pushing the pile and run the ball. And so when exactly am I talking about? Well, when you look at all of Minnesota's field goals, their first one to make the game 3-3 came after a failed third and goal at the Iowa three-yard line. It's Iowa's offense. Worst case scenario, Iowa is pinned deep. Go for it. Go for it. Um, and then at the end of the half, this one. I don't know, man. Spin, uh, Padilla was, was, was dealing, man. Uh, at times. Uh, at, um, at the end of the half, uh, a third and two from the 15, they don't get it. They let the clock run down, take a timeout. And then with no time left, they kick a field goal, uh, fourth and one at the Iowa 14. Yes. It tied the game. Um, yes, that was some momentum, but I don't know. I I'm tempted to go for on third and two, the way they were running the ball and then take a strike or two towards the end zone. Um, next field goal to make it 17, 16 on third and seven, they gain five yards. So they kick it on a fourth and two at the Iowa 11. Go for it. Go for it there. Um, they just, they just did not play aggressively mm. enough. They settled for three points way too many times. That's why the box score is as crazy as it is in terms of yards and time of possession. The The difference was they kept settling for three points. Now, Iowa still tried to give away the game. I have never seen this before. Leave it to Iowa to do the stupidest thing imaginable. I mean, th this takes a special brand of idiocy. So um, Minnesota's down to just one timeout. And so they kind of figure if we punt the ball with two minutes and just a little bit of change left, what's going to happen is we burn our timeout, Iowa burns a bunch of time, and then they punt it, and we are pinned right back deep in our own territory. So on a fourth and 17 at their own three-yard line, Minnesota goes for it, kind of figuring that, hey, we're, we're probably going to be pinned back here again anyway if we punt it um, or we don't ever get the ball back. So, you know, you throw it up, you hope for pass interference. It, it's an unconventional call, but I do think P.J. Fleck made the right call. So Iowa takes over first and goal at the three-yard line. 
First call, quarterback sneak, although it was a quarterback sneak where Padilla went down without getting touched. And the only explanation I have is the Ferences were worried about the Boo Birds if they kneeled it down. So they do this fake little play. And in the postgame show, Ference said, oh, we didn't want to risk a turnover on an exchange. Now, um, Minnesota surprised us and didn't use their timeout there. So then Kirk is like, oh, okay, well, what do we do now? So on seconded goal, they do another quarterback sneak to try and force Minnesota to use that timeout. And finally, Minnesota does use the timeout, but this quarterback sneak only gained one yard. So now it's third and goal. What does Iowa do? A stretch play that loses four yards. It draws us back to the six-yard line. So now it's fourth and goal and 40 seconds left. The score is 22-24. So you have three choices. One, run the ball again and give Minnesota less than a minute way back in their own end, making it very hard to even get to field goal range. That's option one. Option two is to kick a field goal and make it a five-point game, but then Minnesota's going to get much better field goal position. So I think everyone in the universe goes, go for it. (laughs) But Iowa kicks it. And Minnesota gets the ball at the 30-yard line. They have some really nice chunk plays uh, before ultimately a strange play where uh, their quarterback either got stripped or dropped the ball. It was hard to tell, but either way, the clock ran out and Minnesota couldn't get a last play in. But I don't get it. It's a two-point game. If it's me on that first down play, I am turning, handing it to my big-ass fullback it telling him, son, win the game for us. We get a touchdown. We go up nine points. Coach, there is not a nine-point play in the playbook, right? I, I don't I don't have that pe- play uh, that page or that play. And I don't think Brian Ferentz does either. I, I mean, it was just baffling. <laughs> Iowa came so close to losing this game because of their own stupidity. I've never seen an ending like that. And Ferentz admitted it in the post-game interview he said oh we were trying to get them to use their timeout, and then you know we were just going to run the clock down uh and kick it to make sure it wasn't a a field goal couldn't beat us and it's like hey hey buddy a touchdown still beats you (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like it's reminiscent of when um it was an eight point game (laughs) a few years ago uh, late in the fourth, and Ferris kicked a field goal. And in the post-game interview, he said, well, it was a two-score game. And it was like, is he saying that a touchdown plus a two-point conversion is two scores? Because it, it's not. You just score one touchdown. and You, you go score once it. and you go for two. Yeah. You're entitled to the two-point conversion. Yeah, yeah not, not, the, not the greatest of things. I probably would have just gone for it. I mean, you know. I mean, I would have had an aggressive first down, second down, third down play, and then I still would have gone for it on fourth down. Yeah, I would have, I would have tried to score and make it nine points. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going aggressive, running the ball, 
downhill on first down, try to eat some clock. Second down, depending on what what happens on first down, probably run downhill again. Um, you know, if if it, if if we don't get, you know, if two yards or more, I'm just running it and and taking more clock and eating more clock, and then you know, you get you get about nine point. It's a nine point game with forty seconds left. It's game over. All right. Well. Uh... I'm not going to talk about the Wisconsin game this week because they played Northwestern. Northwestern is trash. <laughs> uh, Northwestern turned the ball over five times. Uh, Wisconsin rolled 35 Monday to morning fullback. Believe in Badgers. I Check it out. To, I don't have to pitch it for myself. What I do want to talk about is what I watched on Thursday night, which was North Carolina versus Pitt. This was way better than any NFL Thursday night football. Kenny Pickett, again, is obscene. For, to me, I mean, Kenny Pickett is going to be my top three Heisman ballot, assuming I, uh, I, I, have, I have an official vote this year. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he's absurd. 346 yards again um, in this game. That is, I want to say, the seventh time this season that he's gone over 300. Uh, yeah, the seventh time this season he's gone over 300. On the season now, he, through 10 games, he has 32 touchdowns and four interceptions. He just he threw just his fourth interception of the year in this game. It went into overtime um, th- thanks to a late rally by Pitt. Pitt was uh, sorry by Pitt, late rally by North Carolina. Pitt was up 23. Uh, Pitt was up 23-7 at half, and then 23-13 heading into the fourth. North Carolina scores 10 in the fourth, but. Uh, Pitt gets the ball first, they score, and then North Carolina when North Carolina gets the ball back, it starts just absolutely pouring rain. Like just it was like to call it a torrential downpour is is like does this a disservice because it was like I don't even know how you could see in this rain and they couldn't move the ball at all. And I was telling coach before the show like I feel a little bad for Sam Howell this season. He has no help around him whatsoever at uh for north carolina and so you know that's why they struggled so much this year i mean they lost a ton of the nfl last year and they have not been able to replace it in the same way that i think they would have liked to and you know like i said just you know Pitt is at this point on a collision course with wake forest to meet in the title game Pitt is i don't know if they're running away with the coastal per se right now but they sure are uh doing a pretty good job they are uh they're a game up on virginia and uh those two teams will actually play each other this week so uh the winner of that game will actually have the uh you know will be in the driver's seat for the coastal but i imagine Pitt should win that game this week Josh, anything? Virginia's Virginia's no defense, so yeah, I mean, Pickett could put up five hundred in this one. Yeah, that that should help, and obviously Florida State did uh, did pit some help uh, by knocking out Miami. So now Miami's got three conference losses. So uh, Miami had the head-to-head win. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it it's going to come down to that Virginia game on the twentieth. Yeah. Yep. So um, that'll be that'll be interesting. Okay, yeah. let's. Ha- I, I think that I was just gonna say one other thing about North Carolina that is just jaw dropping in this game. I mean, 
12 penalties for 104 yards. It's just mm-hmm. uh, they're sloppy in a, in a magnitude of w- different ways. And then uh, running the ball, just not particularly effective, either 2.3 yards per carry. Um, you know, they're asking, they're asking Howell to do a lot, and they get caught up to him because he's hurt now. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they really are. So I want to move, though, into the the other games from the weekend. Uh, let's talk about uh, the two upsets in the Big 12. The first one is a little bit more predictable. Baylor beating Oklahoma. I think I called that on our last show. And you really watched the game. I, I don't I don't think it was. I mean, Baylor was clearly a better team. Baylor was right? such the better team in this game. And their defense is awesome, man. Like, Dave Aranda has them boys cranking out at full speed. Five sacks. That was huge. Uh, Terrell Bernard was especially disrupted. Two sacks, two tackles for a loss. He was all over the place. And uh, Jerry Bohannon, you know, getting it done with his arm and his legs. And Abram Smith was uh, incredible. Just, yeah, he was fantastic. He was churning out yards. It broke a really big one, 75 yarder that got them down to like the four. They scored a couple plays later with Jerry Bo- Gary Bohannon's legs again. And you know what? Good on the Bears because, you Got know, bears. we, you know, we can rightfully have our issues with the institution, but I think we all have. A very healthy respect for for Dave Aranda, and I think the culture that he's building. I mean, there, there's another buzzword from a couple of seasons yeah. ago. The culture that, Hart, that he is. I think building. it helps that there's that Art Bryles is no more. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> that helps uh, a little bit. And Ken Starr is no more. Yeah, yeah. those those help a little bit. Yeah, I think I think that helps a lot. Um, Josh, what's it out to you? Well, I, I mean, I could talk even more about Abram Smith. Some of his runs were just incredible. Seventy-five yarder one was was a thing of beauty. Even though he got caught just at the end, uh, a, a great play by an Oklahoma player just kind of stumbled him up just enough, and then an Oklahoma teammate could bring him down. That was but his run on that was awesome. But um, since you took what I would have talked about, I, I'll say on the flip side, Oklahoma's play calling just awful. Oh my God, Lincoln, so bad. You know, Lincoln Riley, what are you doing? Your your team is the best form of your offense when you're able to run the ball. And Baylor knocked you in the mouth, and you said, well, we can't run on these guys, so I'm not even going to try. Kennedy Brooks, 14 carries. That's it. Their, Their running backs accounted for 13 carries and then uh, uh two other players each carried the ball once so they had 29 as a team but 13 of those came from quarterbacks just not enough designed runs with a talented running back it, it made baylor's life super easy it simplified their game plan and i didn't think caleb williams looked like a good enough passer against kansas I've certainly never thought this Oklahoma defense was anything to write home about, and um, they they got they got stung. And I don't think this is the last loss on Oklahoma's slate. I mean, uh, I mean, well, they have you've got a very erratic but talented Iowa State team. 
They have obviously a very talented Oklahoma State team, and then they have a bowl game. I mean, those are not none of those are gimmies. They could lose at least once more. It wouldn't surprise me if they lost a couple more. They're, they're just they're an overrated team. They are very, very reminiscent of some of the early, uh, maybe not early, um, but they might have been at the end of, uh, they might have been a part of Charlie Weiss's tenure, but they're very reminiscent of some of those Notre Dame teams that would look really good like Brady Quinn zipping the ball around, and then when they'd finally play someone good, you'd be like, oh, wait, no, this team's not that good. That's yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, that, that's how I feel coaching. To me, it just feels like they are not a cohesive unit on either side of the ball. No, they seem they seem distracted. Um, it just seems like Lincoln Riley has his head in the clouds somewhere because usually he comes up with better game plans than this. I just felt like he was trying to force things with Caleb Williams to show how smart he was and how brilliant he was for making that move. And it just didn't work. Like he just had no balance. And I I thought Dave Aranda played him like a fiddle. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Yeah. I I was very, very impressed with Baylor. All the things you guys said, uh, I I echo that Uh, Gary Bohannon was outstanding. Um, Baylor's defense was outstanding. They 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 pressured Caleb Williams all day long up until he got benched, and then uh, Rattler couldn't get anything done, so they brought back in Caleb Williams. It just it was a mess for Oklahoma, and, and it showed and it proved it proved my point saying that Oklahoma was soft, 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 and they are still soft. Baylor proved it. Yep. Uh, another team that we know has been soft for a long time. Uh, that's the Texas Longhorns. Um, they got uh, packed to death by those <laughs> ridiculous beaks on the helmets of Kansas this weekend. Um, it's uh, that that was absurd. The the helmets in themselves in and of themselves. Uh, not the fact that they hadn't won. Uh, a Big 12 road game since 2008. Not the fact that they had literally never won in Daryl K. Royal Stadium. They've never won at Texas in the history of this rivalry. And is it a rivalry? Okay, well, in in the, seri- well in the series. And now, what, what's even funnier about that is with Texas heading over to the SEC, um, probably by 2023, in their last game at Daryl K. Royal Stadium, Kansas will have... One, so they will uh, end on a high note there. I mean, where do we start? Well, I'm just curious because obviously Kansas was in the Big Eight and Texas was in the uh, the SWAC for such a long time. They've actually only played each other 20 times. So uh, I don't care. (laughs) They've still never won in Daryl K. Royal. I know, I know. I'm just saying it's reminiscent of like when Nebraska joined the Big Ten and there'd be things like Minnesota hasn't won in Lincoln since 1945. And you look at it, it's like, oh, this is their first game in Lincoln since 1945. Uh, where to start with this one? Okay, well, first of all, uh, Kansas was uh, not playing with their starting quarterback. And uh, they came out firing too. And I'm pretty sure, I think Jalen Daniels 
may have started the season third on their depth chart. That is correct. And they were they were planning <laughs> yeah. on red shirt. They're planning on redshirting him. Yeah. Um how about the fact that Devin Neal averaged six yards a carry? I, I mean, this is just some of these numbers that Kansas put up is absurd. And a lot of defense is effort. Even if you get beat, having the effort to prevent a 10-yard gain from being a 30-yard gain. And Texas just didn't do that in this one. Tackling um, was yeah. tackling was awful. What, percent, what percentage would you say tackling is effort, Coach? I would say at least at least 65%. And yeah, I I would agree. I think at you know, least out if not more. Yeah, I mean the fundamentals of the fundamentals of tackling are are not rocket science. But yeah. it's it's effort. Kansas had it on offense. Texas didn't have it on defense. And when Kansas got burned and especially the second half when texas had their comeback it was a talent gap issue that you know kansas would just not be as fast not as strong couldn't finish the plays and so texas was able to take advantage of that that's how texas got back into the game but every time kansas needed a response they had it and they obviously had the big one in overtime going for it on two point to, to win the game and oh my god that that two-point conversion was such a busted mess of a play uh i i think the kid who caught it was number 47 that is correct number 47 not, not, not a number you expect uh, uh catching a ball or I will not, say, not, uh, also not the build you would expect of someone catching yeah. a ball either if yeah you've seen um him. did you guys watch it were you able to find the game I wasn't able to find the game though. So yeah, it was. Was it on the Longhorn Network? <laughs> no, it was on the like ESPN Plus streaming oh, thing. Okay, yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> I went on to, uh, I logged in uh, through my Xfinity, and even that <laughs> said it was blocked in my area. Yet. ESPN had two different audio feeds. The English one was blocked. The Spanish one worked. <laughs> so I watched the entire second half and part of the first half. Uh, it's Spanish. <laughs> so how did, like, there was a lot of points. So how, how did those guys call the touchdowns? I'm, I'm interested. Well, because I, I could, I had to catch it on my phone. So I actually just muted my phone and then I had uh, Ole Miss and AM on my on my tv uh if you can't tell by this story uh Kristen was out of town for a wedding so <laughs> i got to have uh, double monitors go into all football so speaking uh, of, of tackling issues uh texas missed 13 tackles in this game yeah that's that's not Jesus. good yeah yeah that's and, and they probably soft tackled probably double that mm-hmm. yep. where it was you know it was run through the first guy and he kind of barely hangs on and they, I don't know. It, it just, it was bad. There was yeah. just too much space. There was no defense going on, on on either side. Some great play designs, though. By the way, yeah. Add, mm-hmm. Adding adding to we'll Texas's issues. Added to Texas's issues. Issues. Four turnovers. 
10 penalties. That's six more than Kansas. 97 penalty yards. That's 67. Sixty-seven more yards and penalties. Can't can't turn the ball over. Yeah, really Um, bad turnovers too. One of them was was a was a houser, was a house call. Yeah, I I think you know there's on uh, Texas message boards and stuff. There's already heat uh, wanting him fired, wanting him to go one and done. Okay, Um, I I, okay, I I get it. It's not great, but. Like you got to give him more than a year. I mean, do do you not know what kind of team he inherited? They've lost yeah, five I, in a row. Yeah, I, I still like. I, I do you know the last time they lost uh, five in a row was fifty six. They're in rough shape. Yeah. yeah. If, if they had Herman, they would have. They would have been had that. They probably would be <laughs> losing eight in a row. Like they're in really rough shape. Yeah, I, I think that it's. I think it's one of those rebuilds where, from the outside looking in. You thought that oh, Texas has full of talent. It's a turnkey situation. They they, it, they looked good in a couple of games because Bijan Robinson went off against Louisiana. Yeah, and uh, and then some of the other wins, uh, same story. You know, you had Bijan Robinson kind of carry the load, but really what it did was give you false sense of hope. And they're you know they're still. They can still score occasionally. They can't no. stop a nosebleed, but um, they, you know, offensively, it looks like they're, you know, they're progressing a little bit. But I think when you look at the overall product, they just got, you know, they they've just got to build. They got to grow. They got to get mentally tougher. I mean, I I think this is going to be a really important off season for for yeah. Sark. Yeah, I I think you know, first of all, I think it would be insane to fire Sark after one season. I mean, you're just between his buyout, I'm sure they still owe Herman money. I mean, yes, Texas prints money, but you can't do this forever. They who's, also who's going to want to go if yeah if if they're also paying get one shot at it. Like I also, wouldn't I wouldn't want to go. Yeah, they're also paying a ton for basketball because <laughs> Chaka Smart left. Yep. and then they had to lure Chris Beard with an absurd salary. So. uh Obviously, we don't have Texas's account books in front of us, but it, this idea that well, they just could print money and get rid of this coach and it'd spend millions it's, and millions of dollars it, for next. They coach. could it's, financially, they absolutely could fire Sark, but it, the, yeah. it'd just be irresponsible too. Yeah, um, I yeah, so I think it's irresponsible. I, I'm also not convinced that they have as much money as, as people think. Just in terms of some of their finances lately. But so we're, I think we're in agreement there. So if I'm Sark, I am at this point got six losses. Even if you get two more wins to make a bowl game, who cares? I'm playing all freshmen and sophomore, and I'm just writing off these seniors. I'm writing off these upperclassmen of just it, it's a poisoned culture and the bad habits that these seniors developed under their previous coaches and and for some of them they would have still been there during the Charlie Strong era uh-huh. I'm writing them off and just saying you know what they've got terrible habits they're not helping us like just let them end their careers and focus on the new guys and then when you bring in your recruits Obviously, you can't go to this degree of 
torturing your players, but I'm doing the 2021 equivalent of what Bear Bryant did at Texas A&M, which is just go from the ground up and rebuild the culture first rather than trying to win with, uh, you know, some, some players. You got to get buy-in before you do anything. I mean, that's what culture is, is buy-in. And he's going to, I mean, it's going to be gut check and he's going to lose a bunch of people. Oh yeah. That transfer portal is going to be running, but that's that's what you want. But these freshmen that he signed should have bought in for what he, for what he wants. It's not all that dissimilar from when, from when Saban took over at Alabama and Saban's first year at Alabama was a crazy failure. They won like three games. They lost to UL Monroe and Bryant Denny. And it was all because these previous players. They played just, in the Independence yeah. Bowl that year. That was his first year? I thought his first year. Uh, they went seven and six, played in the Independence Bowl, beat uh, Colorado. In Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah. But so they had a few more wins than I, than I remember. But the, the point still I, I, stands. I, I, don't they think were, they, I don't think they won many that they were favored in. No. Or that they, that they weren't <laughs> favored in. I, I think they won all the ones they were supposed to win. Like they probably had three cupcakes on their schedule. Yeah. One, two of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh they, you want to talk about yeah. you want to talk about a program that was in really rough shape. They were they were in the bottom of the barrel uh under Shula. Yeah. It's similar, very similar. Because Shula was kind of kind of a weird guy. Yeah. Oh, I not, see not as I, weird as Herman. I see why I misremembered his Win loss in 07. They had a bunch of vacated games. They had five vacated games. So their their official record is two and six. Huh. Oh well, there you go. That's why I that's why I forgot. All right. Who can, who can forget the the twenty two thousand seven uh Vanderbilt vacated victory? Uh, Not me. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let, let's quickly then go through the rest of our uh, Week 11 slate. Um, Wake Forest and NC State played a – it was a barn burner, but it wasn't like the prettiest game. I mean, there were six turnovers in this one. Some really wild stuff going on. Um, Sam Hartman did not, really did not actually play very well, but Wake Forest was still – uh, still managed to beat NC State thanks to some really short fields. So, um, and Devin Leary looked like the uh, the potential All American passer more so in this game than Hartman did. It was NC State that had multiple receivers over a hundred yards, and you know what it really came down to though was those turnovers. Yes, both team had three, but they had them at very different points in the game. So. Uh, Coach, you got anything to add here? Yeah, man, they were slinging the ball around, man. It was it was fun to watch. Like, I know it was kind of ugly at times, but I mean, it was. I don't think either team threw a pass that was under six or under under ten yards. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was, it was intermediate or, or shots, and and they were going at it, man. Uh, and I, and I got I got to say that Wake Forest up twenty one to six right before half. They got a chance to go in the locker room feeling really good about themselves, and what happens. What do we say about special teams, guys? Got to be sound. It's got to be sound. Their kickoff coverage was horrendous. They gave up a huge return 
and, and NC State ends up scoring on that. And then right out of halftime, they give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. So a big, big, big point swing there in the game mm-hmm. uh, for, for the Wolfpack. When when you're sitting there thinking Wake Forest is about to about to upset, so I, I'm that game was, but it didn't make it any less fun. It's just one of those things where you're like, man, well here you go. Like people don't think the kicking game is important. I'm gonna turn that game on. <laughs> you know, Wake Forest could have lost that one because of special teams. They they got lucky, but again, both quarterbacks when it mattered were really really good. Um, yeah. And I, I thought it was, you know, NC State had a chance to win at the end. They just couldn't quite finish. Uh, Wake Forest did a good enough job there at the end to, to, to seal it. So hats it's, off uh, to them. Yeah, for, you know, hats off to Wake Forest. Obviously, we all of us love <clears throat> Wake Forest. It's the smallest power conference school. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, th- is, I think it's actually, is it the smallest in uh, it's smallest power. It's smallest in power five. I don't know if it's the smallest in FBS. I think it's about like a thousand kids, right? But, um, yeah, so obviously we all love Wake Forest, but NC State, man, you know, you put up 42 points, and, well, they left points out there. I mean, 3 of 14 on third down. They punted six times. I mean, they could have easily put up more points to win this, and then penalties – I just I hate to be a broken record on this, but some of these penalties this week have been insane. Wake Forest had five penalties for 50 yards. Mm-hmm. NC State had 14 penalties for 119. That's astronomical. It's just so hard to win a game when you are that undisciplined. Yeah. Uh, just going back to your last point, Rice is actually smaller than Wake Forest. Okay. How much? How much smaller? Uh, four hundred students smaller. Uh, oh, Wake Forest. Well, that's, like, that's like one lecture at Wisconsin. Uh, Wake, Wake Forest and enro- oh, sorry, six hundred. Wake Forest enrollment uh, about seventy five hundred. Rice <clears throat> Rice enrollment sixty seven hundred. Hmm. Interesting. There we go. Yeah. So there you have it. Okay. Um, we had. Just ugly football between Michigan and Penn State. Michigan wins, but honestly, the the people who won were those who did not watch this game. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, the, lo- I, I'm I honestly, the loser here. Then I, I have nothing to add to this, Josh. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I can I can say about it is just the fake field goal. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the I don't know I don't know what yard line they were on. Doesn't matter. The fake field goal in that part of the field, was it from the two? Yeah, it was about there. Yeah, yeah give or take. Like, if you're going to just go for it, like, why? Like, why the. F- I hate that. Like, the fake field goal from, like, the two yard line. Just go for it. Just go for it. Huh? You have Noah Kane. Go for it. Uh, or do they? I don't even know. I don't know much about Penn State right now. Yeah, he, he, no, he, he's out with an injury. Okay, well, still, you uh, you rec- you gave another guy a scholarship, right? Kayvon Lee, make him effing earn it. It shows you have no confidence in your defense or your offense. Uh, definitely your offense. You're, you're telling your offensive line, yeah, you, you you can't you can't punch it in from the two. So we're gonna have to kick a we're gonna have to do a fake field goal. Yep. Um, and 
it just I, I i was i was just left shaking my head going why 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 but i had no interest in this game i i was surprised michigan didn't blow them out of the water to be honest with you yeah i mean this uh this game is just uh it's kind of emblematic of uh penn state's last few seasons with uh with james franklin where you know last year tons of one possession losses this year tons of one possession losses they're just they're not a complete enough team to get over the hump and then they'd make the some poor coaching decisions and i mean you know you could say that hindsight's 2020 and you know i I called out um, minnesota for not being aggressive enough and here i'm gonna call out penn state for being overly aggressive if they had not done the fake at the end of the game they would have only needed a field goal to win and they they had a uh the turnover on downs in field goal territory um actually sorry it's not quite in field goal territory but it would have changed the complexion of the their drive there at the end but um they also missed a field goal so by being hyper aggressive with that play that coach broke down for us, Penn State just had to play more catch up than they would have otherwise. And, you know, so what's the difference? Am I being hypocritical? Well, I, I don't think I am because in the context of the Minnesota game, the Gophers were able to run the ball at will. And in this Penn State game, points were clearly at a premium. So take the points. Um, but having said that, they had a fourth quarter lead, 17-14. The touchdown Michigan got was just such a busted play. Like, what in the world happened? The tight end just got loose and then rumbled down the sidelines. And it, it was, you know, it was a second and nine kind of a ho hum play that just blew up in Penn State's face. I don't think anyone on the Michigan sideline, uh, or the offensive staff when they called that play said, Hey, you know what? Our tight end is going to have a 50 yard touchdown reception on this play because his run after the catch is what made it a 50 yard touchdown. It was not a deep throw. Dude just, I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful about 12 yard throw. Yeah. Just laid it right to him. (laughs) And there was nobody, nobody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I think, think though that uh Great execution th- on that. this has probably quelled the uh the usc <laughs> interest in james franklin no i i think they're still interested i think it doesn't help yeah. <laughs> but that he's distracted now like you can tell you can tell lincoln riley is interested in going to lsu like all those rumors oh, yeah. the way they played the way he's acting the more ornery he is you, you can tell something's on his mind yeah. Um, you can tell James Franklin something on his mind because Penn State, he is checked out. Well, um, what's interesting is Ohio State now. (laughs) Um, Their resume involves a loss. Hill out of Purdue. (laughs) Yeah. Ohio State's resume involves a loss. Their marquee win, Minnesota, is no longer a marquee win. Mm-hmm. Penn State, no longer a marquee win. They've played nobody. So 
Purdue back unranked. Bye-bye, Purdue. It was nice to see you there for a moment. Uh, so they end with Michigan State and Michigan, which, you know, let's say something weird happens like uh, there's a three-way tie between these teams. They I don't know. Michigan's pretty damn sporty. Yeah. They might they yeah. might jump up and bite them. Yeah. Um, but but here's the interesting thing. I love how this committee has given some uh, extra extra little padding for Ohio State just just to really make sure that they are going to get in because in the latest college football playoff poll, Wisconsin and Iowa still solidly in. <laughs> guaranteeing that the Big Ten title game will feature two ranked opponents. And I, I'm I'm confused as to how uh either team warrants a ranking. I, I can make a I can make an argument for Wisconsin warranting a ranking at this point considering they've won six straight and have statistically the second best defense in the country. But you know that, yeah. I mean, I, do I think they should be a top 10? Oh, hell no. I mean, I think 15 is even being pretty generous. And frankly, I'm I'm weirdly terrified of Nebraska this weekend. But that's neither here nor there. Well, what's funny with Wisconsin ranked, that should keep Notre Dame nice and pu- pushing, which should help Cincinnati. But it's uh, the committee. So, of course, none of it matters. Nothing it matters matter. because Michigan it State is, beat Michigan head-to-head yeah, yet for the second yeah, week in a row. Yeah. They're behind it them. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. This is this is just so typical for for coaches' life, to you know, coaches like. Uh, did you watch Seinfeld, Corey? Oh yeah, love Seinfeld. I, I feel like Georgia fans are sometimes like a whole collection of George Costanzas, where just things go wrong for you. Yeah, that's, have, that's that's not just Georgia. That's not just University of Georgia. That's Georgia sports up until this year with the Braves. But you're yeah. having an unbelievable year. You're clearly the best team. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the committee is doing their hardest to have the worst playoffs possible, thereby lessening your national title if you win it, and having everyone be like, "Oh yeah, 2021." Oh, that was the year that the committee effed everything up, and I can't remember who won the national title. But oh, it was terrible. It's what ended the college football playoffs. And but Georgia you, fans are going to be. Look like, at it. We we I look at it like this. We we just break the playoffs like we broken every opponent we've played. Like we broke Florida. We broke DJ Hungulale and Clemson. We broke. You know, we broke Kentucky. We probably. I don't. It might be too late in the in the season, but we. We broke Tennessee. We broke <laughs> Auburn for a minute. Like you know, this is this is the way it is. You play this team and you're just broken. So well, speaking it would of be fitting. Speaking of Auburn, they they, they got broke. Uh, they got rebroke this weekend by yes, Mississippi State in the oh second my half. God. Oh my God! Yeah, no. This is the, this was the noon game I watched. I couldn't get my eyes off of it. So so did Mississippi State find a kicker then? They didn't need one. <laughs> I mean, they just needed somebody to kick, kick extra points. Will Rogers had six touchdowns. It was, uh, and they're all in the second half, man. It was like Auburn came out blazing. They Auburn looked like Texas, right? You come out blazing, get that really big first first half lead. Like they were up twenty eight to three. 
or 28-6, I mean, uh, at half, it was like lights out. You're like, man, this, you know, I turned it off for a minute. Like I, I didn't come back to it until like midway. Well, I, I turned it off like midway through the second quarter. I didn't come back till late in the third. And I come back and Mississippi State is down by a score. And I'm like, wait a second. This is getting interesting. And they just kept going, kept going, kept going. And they just kept hitting the hitting those intermediate routes, catching runs, just distributing. Like Will Rogers was dealing. And then I, I texted I texted the group chat and I said, ironically, um, Mississippi State is uh, is capping this thing off on on the ground where they drove the, they drove the ball to like the four yard line all on run plays, and then they threw a pass in the end zone for a touchdown. But um, and you know they didn't rush for for very many yards in that one, but like I felt like all their rushing yards were on one drive, and just Auburn just completely collapsed. Like if you want to like, there's a way to play a drop eight coverage that that gives Mississippi State fits, but at this point, like they've seen enough drop eight to where it's almost like cycling back around to where that's unproductive because Will Rogers can sit back there and pick it apart. Uh, and then the last thing I'll add, and I'll let you guys take off with this game, take off running with this game, was the targeting call on 99 for Auburn, whoever that was. I can't remember his name. Um, the targeting call on him was atrocious. Atrocious. If, if, you, if, if you didn't see it, I'll describe it in my best radio voice ever. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to do it NFL film style here. And uh, the defensive lineman just leapt in the air like a gazelle leaping through the f- leaping through the meadow. I, okay, that's best I got. All right, so he 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 whipped his guy at the line of scrimmage. He was going after Will Rogers. Well, Will Rogers rears back to throw it, so he jumps up to try to block. Right, it's like like any any defensive lineman would do going to jump up and try to block the pass, right? Mm-hmm. Well, as he's jumping up, he's still moving forward, and he kind of just lands on the quarterback. And Will Rogers had just released the ball, so it wasn't really a late hit. But they're, like, their face mask literally just like clicked up. Like didn't even like – wasn't malicious, wasn't anything. Their, their face mask just kind of just met. What would they do? They called targeting. They reviewed it, and they still upheld it. It was, and, and at this point, I was full on rooting for for Mississippi State, and I was livid. I was like, "This is this is horse, you know what, man? This is awful. I was like, this is this is terrible, man." I uh, let's see, let's see if they give this guy's name. Oh, it's T.T. Moultrie. There you go, T.T. Moultrie, yeah. Um, thank you. I couldn't think of his name, and I couldn't find it because it's not in this recap. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was the most asinine thing ever. But, yeah, Bo, we saw Homebow and Roadbo all in the same game. Yeah, and all, he's out for the season now. Yeah, all I'm going to yeah. say uh, is uh, Will Rogers, school record, six touchdowns. And, you know, Mike, Mike Leach – coaching his tail off yeah mississippi state uh rest of schedule 
they have the classic SEC tune-up game, Tennessee State. So they'll be seven and four heading into their rivalry game. So well done. Auburn, kind of an interesting end to Auburn season. They traveled to South Carolina, and South Carolina's been frisky at times. They blew out Florida, put up 28 points in a losing effort to Missouri. I mean, South Carolina's a 5-5 five and five team, but they, they've shown a few moments, so that's no gimme, especially now that they're starting quarterbacks out. And then they end with Alabama. What are we going to think of this? Yeah, what are we going to th- what are we going to think of this Auburn team if they actually lose four in a row to end the season? We're going to think exactly what we thought before. Yeah, they're going to be. We're, we're going to think they are who we thought they were. Yeah, like I don't think anybody would be surprised in, in Brian Harson's first year with just a, a roster that hasn't signed a high school offensive lineman since 2017. Like this is like it's it. Their offensive line is horrendous, by the way. But when they were sitting at six and two, I think most people would have figured, you know, their defense is pretty. I, I their defense is pretty good, yeah. um, and, and and they played above their heads. Now they're starting to kind of come back to the pack a little bit, like like we thought. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any more on Brian Harrison's vaccination status. He's got until <laughs> early December. He might be uh, <laughs> Rolovich'd. So him and Rolovich can can battle it out for uh, UW. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> Same state. Damn it. Okay. I like that. Uh, I like that. Jimmy Lake and Nick Rolovich both finished up their careers with no Apple Cup appearances because <laughs> the game was canceled last year. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's actually amazing. That's a great stat. Um, I was gonna talk about Texas A&M versus Ole Miss, but there's honestly not that much to talk about. Josh, any other games you want to talk about this week? Well, I was gonna say I was gonna say Ole Miss found some running game, man. They were yeah, because they, they had Jerry they Neely did, back in the lineup. They did exactly what I said they needed to do: figure out how to run the ball without without running Matt Corral, and they did. It was great. And Ontario Drummond had a really, really good game, and and they found a little bit of defense too. Somewhere I don't know where they found it, but they found it. Continue. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, just a few things caught caught my eye. Um, the Purple Pirates, East Carolina, they beat Memphis in overtime to uh, go bowling. And then uh, a pair of teams kind of going through rebuilds, um, very different rebuilds in that I think Louisville's fan base is still unsure if they have – a truly good coach, uh, but they blew out Syracuse to get to five and five, uh, which means that they just need to beat either Duke or Kentucky to get to their sixth win. And uh, the way Duke season's going, you would most likely pencil Louisville into a bowl game. And then Rutgers, uh, you know, a rebuild that everyone sort of expected would go well because Greg Schiano knows how to win at Rutgers. Uh, they knocked the doors off Indiana to get their fifth win. They end at Penn State and versus Maryland. Um, have to feel good, um, I think, about beating that Maryland team at home. Um, so 
probably can't write in Rutgers to a bowl game yet, but I, I think Rutgers has a clear path to a bowl game. So well done, those two teams. And then obviously the the Jimmy Lake news was pretty interesting. I mean, it was interesting, but not entirely surprising. I'm stunned they didn't fire him with cause and get out from that asinine contract they hired him with. Yeah. I mean, either way, he's gone. So uh, I, I saw a lot of comments actually on uh, the college football Reddit page. People like being like, oh, why? Why are people so soft now? Like he shoved a kid. It's a physical sport. It's like um, he shoved a player not in his position group in the locker room. This is like deranged asshole-ish behavior. Uh, it's a yeah. little bit different on the sideline, you know, in the heat of a game of going a little bit over the top. But I'm sorry, someone just in the locker room? It, it's This is insane yeah. to even try and defend Jimmy Lake. Yeah, no, it, it's – yeah, I, I, I don't – I don't buy that. I, he just lost control of himself and lost control. I, I, the team was probably going to quit on him if they hadn't already. But the, their recruiting numbers are absolutely abysmal, too. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, he was going to get fired regardless. I don't think he needed no. to shove a kid, yeah. but <laughs> maybe he was done. Maybe he wanted a <laughs> early vacation. I guess I don't know. But that's like I. Like if DJ Durkin can coach again, I guess he'll. Yeah. I guess Jimmy Lake will coach again, just not as a head coach. But yeah, um, is uh, Chris Peterson any chance he comes back? A la Bill Snyder, he probably has no interest in coming back. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. I really. I'd doubt be surprised. It. Like he is, he's probably he's probably gotten phone calls, but that guy's like, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> See, I'm on Sirius XM. Ain't no pressure on Sirius XM. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 Um, oh, uh, one other game. How about Arkansas? They won. They beat LSU. And they did. They did. And then uh, Meep Meep, burying the lead team. They're still trucking 10-0. One, one of just three undefeated teams. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Well, um, let's move forward then uh, to well, this. Actually, week. sorry. One, one final, really miniature thing. So Southern Miss has had a really long, terrible year, um, but against Texas San Antonio, their freshman running back had quite the game, and he's had a nice freshman season. He's got 450 yards on 4.6 yards per carry. Kind of a, a nice freshman debut. He's from Miami, Florida. And his dad, longtime NFL running back. Do you know who I'm talking about? Frank Gore Jr. Yes, I am. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, waited a couple. I don't know. I'm uh, and his daddy is fighting Darren Williams in the in the boxing ring here in a couple <laughs> weeks. So. <sighs> whole world's going places i'm not i'm not prepared for <laughs> anyways yeah. this, this coming week i, I want to get through these quickly because honestly like our I, picks I, are I, terrible I, every week because what 
our picks are terrible well, every I mean, we, week. We, we got to talk about, you know, let, let's talk Michigan State, Ohio State first. Uh, control the <laughs> Big Ten East uh, is in hand. If Michigan State wins this, uh, they should. Yeah, if Michigan State wins this, then uh, all they'll have to do is win their final game. Uh, I forget who they're playing in their final game, but I don't Penn think. State Penn State in East Lansing. Yeah, I feel like with, with the direction of Penn State right now, I feel like. Well, obviously, like the winner of this game is in the catbird seat in yeah. in, in the Big Ten East. Yeah. Josh, well, Sparty, uh, I mean, Ohio State's a favorite by like 19 and a half. Sparty pull off the upset? Look, I, I'm not going to say Sparty can't do anything. They've completely overachieved this year, 9 and 1. That They've been phenomenal. <laughs> Matchup-wise, this is not a good matchup for Michigan State. So the the defense that we sort of picture Michigan State with is the old D'Antonio Narduzzi. Let's just hammer the quarterback. Let's throw these blitzing packages at you. We'll keep our corners on an island because we have super talented secondary players, and that's not what Mel Tucker has. Mel Tucker's secondary is not good. So as a result, he is routinely having to play extra secondary players. They've been doing some of the Iowa State 3-3-5 looks. They've been in a lot of zones to try and, uh, and you know, simplify the defense and, and not get exposed athletically in man-to-man coverage. And it really hasn't worked. Sparty has a very poor pass defense for what you would expect a top 10, nine and one team to have Ohio state has, I, I, I'm trying to remember, does Ohio state have any good wide receiver? Oh, their entire team is good <laughs> wide receivers. Uh, so I just think matchup wise, this is, this is kind of a nightmare for Michigan state. Can they pull off the upset? Sure. Will they? I'm not going to pick them. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. It's just a bad, bad matchup. Um, if they can figure out how to make Kenneth Walker more of a weapon than he already is, they have a chance, but I, if they can clone Kenny Walker and, and get him to play <laughs> defensive back, maybe they have a chance. Um, but um, in all reality, they're going to have to get after Stroud. They're going to have to really just kind of – they're just going to have to get extra aggressive up front and, and with their pressures and if they want to have a chance. And it's going to have to be kind of um, you know big risk, big reward, or as Bruce Arian says – no risk it, no biscuit. So they're really going to have to go for the biscuit this week, I, I think, to give themselves a chance. Are they going to get blown out? Absolutely not. I think they're too good of a team to get blown out. But I, I do think this this matchup does favor Ohio State just because what they do well in Michigan State doesn't, just like Josh said. So I'm, I'm with you on that. All right. Uh, next matchup, Wake Forest headed down to Clemson. Uh, Coach, what's what do you think is a bigger likelihood? Wake Forest absolutely just blowing the doors off of Clemson or Clemson winning the game? Uh, what's more likely? Yeah. Uh, probably Wake Forest blowing the doors off Clemson. Okay. That's, that's more likely. But what I think is actually going to happen is it'll be a close high-scoring game because that's kind of what Wake Forest does. But what makes you think that Clemson can put up more than like 27 points against anyone? I don't know. Just about everyone that's played Wake Forest has put up, put up big numbers. So uh, Wake Forest just... Scores at a higher clip. <laughs> so what's this? The, what, it, it, in this course, it's in in the uh, Clemson offense versus Wake Forest 
defense. It's the resistible object meets movable force. Yes. Okay. Exactly. I I, I think if they play, uh, I think if they play the other guy, I Puyo Hohole instead of DJ Ongulale. I guarantee their quarterbacks a would dominate a game of Scrabble, but b. They, I, I think the other guy's a little bit better. I think their offense moves a little bit better, a little bit smoother. I think the guys buy into to the other guy. If anyone, if anyone out there wants to help me on that pronunciation, please feel free because I have no idea. But he wears number seven, uh, the the current backup. I, I think he's a little bit better. I think if they can get him some reps, I think they'll be. I always think his shape. last name is is Pharaoh Monch. Like I don't know if you remember the uh, the, the the late nineties rapper Pharaoh Monch. But it's uh, it, it's apparently not oh. how you pronounce it. Okay. So. Oh yeah, I have no clue. So, Josh, um, anything to add? No clue. Yeah, I, you know, I think this this is going to be an interesting game. the The strength of Clemson versus the strength of Wake is the opposite. So that's always an intriguing game. I think that Wake will also feel very relaxed in this game. They lost to NC. UNC, excuse me. And that made their following game against the Wolfpack really critical for winning the division. And they met that challenge and they won the game. So the only team that can catch Wake now is Clemson. And the way that happens, Clemson's five and two. The way that happens is Wake loses to Clemson head to head and then loses their finale. Clemson's final game is non-conference. It's it's South Carolina, the rivalry game. Well, Wake, they just need to split, and they're going to the title game. And their final game of the season is at Boston College, a much more manageable Mm -hmm. game. So I think for Wake, they're playing with house money. I think they're going to be loose. I don't think they're going to be pushing. I expect Hartman to play a lot better than he did against the Wolfpack. I, I think this sets up really nice for Wake Forest. It's also a 11 o'clock Central Time, noon Eastern kick. Why does that matter? Well, Death Valley at night is just an insane, insane stadium. But at noon, even the scariest stadiums at noon lose a little bit of that magic. So I, I think this sets up nicely for Wake. Probably not Camp Randall. (laughs) Noon kickoff for Camp Randall. The the students are in by about four in the afternoon. Ha. (laughs) Um, Okay. Arkansas and Bama. Coach. uh, Arkansas going to pose a threat to, to Alabama? Yeah, they will. They absolutely will. Um, I'll... This Alabama defense, now I'm going to qualify what I'm about to say because what I'm about to say you're probably going to think I'm saying they don't scare me at all. They don't scare me as much as they used to. Now, Will Anderson is – that dude's fun to watch. He's dominant. But this defense as a whole and the secondary especially is not playing very well right now. And, and and I just don't think Pete Golding has those guys in sync. I think they they ultimately don't know what to do. I, I think they're busting a lot of coverages. They're not getting as much pressure on the on the quarterback as, as they could. Um now they won fifty nine to three over New Mexico State. So you can't really 
gather a whole lot of intel from that game. But you look at that LSU game, and it was a struggle. And, and if LSU wasn't so bad and so piss poor at trying to score, like it, it was a, it was a, you know, three ring circus for LSU to try to move the ball. Um, and a lot of that was their own doing. But you know, Tennessee had some quick strike stuff on them. Arkansas likes to play with a little tempo. I think KJ Jefferson can move around. That poses some problems. I I think they can. I think they can give them some fits. Will they? I don't know. I think Alabama ultimately wins this game. But whatever the spread is, I'd if it's more than seven points, I'd probably be willing to take the take take the points in that one. But yes, I absolutely think they have a chance. I think Arkansas has a chance too, and this is um, just more of a critique, I think, in uh, the playoff committee and how these polls just inflate certain teams. When you actually look at Alabama's wins and run through their resume, Miami, on the verge of firing their coach, <laughs> looks terrible against Florida State. Mercer, Florida, on the verge of firing their coach. They've fallen apart. Southern Miss, 1-9. and nine. Okay, so nothing in their first part of the season. Nothing in the first month. Now let's run through the next month. Mississippi, there we go. There's one opponent. Perfect. Got one opponent. At Texas A&M, loss. A&M, very sneakily, 7-3. and three. This is not a, like, juggernaut, amazing, flawless upset. They knew, so, A&M really lost to Colorado. Yeah, so... Should we get? We'll mark that as a second real opponent. We'll, we'll give AM a little bit of love. Mississippi State, as awesome as that comeback was, I just got done saying that Mississippi State will probably win at least seven games this year. They're six and four. They're an up and down team. I don't know if you could count that as a real win. Tennessee, they are currently five and five. LSU fired their coach. <laughs> Awful, dead last of the conference, or the division, excuse me. Obviously, Vanderbilt's dead last of the conference. And then New Mexico State, an independent. So this 9-1 and juggernaut Alabama team has played exactly two opponents that we can have any sort of respect for. Uh, just on the flip side, I mean, just in their own conference, just to – compare Bama versus Georgia. Has Clemson lived up to their expectations? No, but they're a seven-win team still in contention for their conference division. Next, they played the UAB Blazers. How are the Blazers this year? Well, they're a whole heck of a lot better than New Mexico State. I'll tell you that much. Blazers have won seven games. Then they got in their meat of their conference schedule. South Carolina, five and five. Vanderbilt's awful, but Georgia beat this Arkansas team. Then Georgia beat Auburn. Okay. Auburn's we're out on. They beat Kentucky. Kentucky's still a nice team. Kentucky's a seven win team. Florida, Missouri, Tennessee. So by by my estimation, Georgia's already played like four legitimate teams. 
That's twice what Alabama's done. So long story short, yeah, Arkansas can win this game because Bama ain't played anybody. Alabama is trading on their name and our expectations of them, not what they have actually done this year. Nothing Alabama has done this year points to the second best team in the country. You bought your tongue, Rotan. <laughs> All righty. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, Coach, because you're going to have to face them in the title game, but what am I missing with this Alabama team? When I watch them on TV, they do not feel like one of their vintage like, these are these are two yeah. of the worst coordinators they've ever had. <laughs> well, whatever we could blame Bill O'Brien, that's it's gonna be fun. I mean he's a pretty he's a pretty easy scapegoat. Okay. Um yeah, Oregon, Utah, potential uh Pactual title game preview. Oregon needs to win this one in order to stay in contention for the playoff. Utah, though, they are uh, – I, I think if there's any team that can beat them in the Pac-12 right now, it is Utah because Utah's offense has been rolling behind Cam Rising at quarterback, TJ Pledger, on the ground. And, obviously, it's at Utah, one of the toughest places to play in the country, Josh. Yeah, I think it's a testament to how well Utah's played uh, recently and, obviously, at home that they are favored in okay. this game. Uh, I saw some a stat that's hilarious. If Utah loses this game, the odds of Utah making the Rose Bowl are 65%. Because what people are assuming is, okay, Oregon then makes the college football playoffs. If Utah wins this game, their odds of making the Rose Bowl drop to 35%. So should the Utes intentionally tank it? I don't even know how that makes sense, but okay. Because the belief is that Utah would not beat Oregon twice. Twice, okay. That, so that's where the rationale is coming from. But isn't that a hilarious stat? Um, uh, I think the interesting thing for me watching this game is Oregon has had some real real close calls and you know sometimes that's okay jim trestle seemed to have made a career out of trestle ball and no one understanding how is ohio state actually winning these games uh so maybe oregon has a little bit of that but you look at their schedule they have some really close games against some not amazing opponents like the seven point win over cal um so I'm really intrigued because I just don't know what this Oregon team is. I saw them beat Ohio State, but that was the second week of the season. And on the flip side, Utah, Utah's doing the opposite. They're blowing out the Bruins. They're blowing out Stanford. Um, we won't talk too much about their Arizona win. <laughs> but, uh, but but I'm really intrigued. This is this is easily the most excited i've been for a regular season pack 12 game this year i mean it's probably the most excited i've been for a game since uh ucla oregon for sure yeah so um finally yeah i I think sneakily yes uh baylor and kansas state uh coach you think that it's possible that baylor coming off of this high will uh be overlooking kansas state at all 
Absolutely. Um, it's it's very much a thing because Baylor's not used to, to playing in these games and having to get up again and again and again. They're not used to being in this position. It's a very tough position to be in to, to get that emotionally up every single week. I mean, Georgia's an anomaly because they can do it, right? Alabama's an anomaly because they seem to be able to do it. A lot of teams can't do that. And Baylor's certainly no different. Can, do, can they? Yes. But experience tells me that they probably will not. But even if they don't, can they still beat Kansas State? Yes, probably. I, I think they're good enough regardless if they come out sloppy. I still think they can beat Kansas State in this one. I'm a I'm a big believer in, in – uh, in, uh, Gary Bohannon and uh, Ebner, man, he uh, he he retweeted our he or regrammed our stuff or whatever you call it. He shared it on Instagram. He shared our yeah. He our, shared the love. Share the love for the show. Shout out to Tristan so, Ebner. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Tristan Ebner, man. I, I I loved it. Yeah, good. stuff. I saw that. I was like, yeah, yeah. Love so, <laughs> love that. Uh, shout out to yeah. Tristan. Shout out to all the uh, all the Bears for. For pulling off the big upset, time for us so, to get to well, get. I, I this, was gonna make this a quote, Matt. Make this a quote. Tristan Ebner is that dude. He, he is that dude. that dude. He might be that dude. So, well, um, I was just—I was gonna say, you know, still a Jock Peterson quote. <laughs> uh, building off what Coach was saying, you know, Baylor had the super emotional two-point win over Iowa State, came out flat at Oklahoma State, super emotional seven-point win over Texas. Oklahoma State out, might be that yeah. team. Came out flat against TCU. So uh, there's always a possibility. I'll say this for Kansas State, though. Um, they're 7-3. and three. Mm-hmm. They've won four in a row. Mm-hmm. And Skyler Thompson, the often injured Skyler Thompson, what has he done over this four-game winning streak? I- I'm just going to read off his completion percentages and touchdowns and interceptions. Just three stats for you guys. Uh Completion percentage, 80%, 62%, 79%, 73%. Touchdowns, one, two, three, four. Interceptions, just a single one. He is in the zone. So 10 and touchdowns so, to one interception, yeah. basically yeah. completing 75% of his passes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Baylor secondary, you will need to play a game. That's all I'm going to say. They're just going to need to play a game. And they're also going to need to wrap up because they still got, because Kansas State, last time I checked, still has Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Um, Kansas State's building something there. Mm-hmm. I, they're going to be they're going to be very good. intriguing. All right. Let's get to some spread formations. Uh, last Plus week. The damage. Last week, Coach, three and two. Yes. Yeah. Matt and Josh, one and four. Yeah, I'm awful this year. So hey, last look, look last at our, week, look at, our, look at our chat. By the way, last week, or coach had <laughs> like th- this is ridiculous because last week coach had Oregon minus thirteen and a half, and they won by fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week we all had Iowa minus six, and they only won by five. <laughs> um, well, we I also shouldn't mention that we all had Texas last week. So um, we all had Texas minus thirty point five. Newsflash: that one didn't come in on the season. 
uh, coach is up to 25, 28, and 2. I'm, I'm 22, 31, and 2. Josh, 20, 33, and 2. So what's the two. moral of the story? Don't use our picks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Why have our picks been so bad, Matt? Um, because this is a wonky year. And I don't give us. I love it. And because I don't give us just like easy games to pick, I pick games. Great out use of, of the word wonky. And I also, I, 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 I don't, I, I don't give us easy games to pick. I find lo- lines that I think are actually intriguing. So also Kansas. Every time I trust them, they get blown out. After they get blown out, I don't trust them, and then they win or give Oklahoma all they can handle. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna start. Illinois at Iowa this week. Iowa is a 12 and a half point dog. Sorry, 12 and a half point favorite at home. <laughs> I'm going first uh, this week. Brett Bielema is out. He's got the Rona for Illinois. I don't think that bodes well. Illinois has been a nice little story, but I think they're I think they're fading. I think they're 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 tailing off. Iowa knows they have to win if they're going to have any chance of making it to the Big 12 title game. I've got Iowa by two touchdowns. Josh. Well, in uh, how many teams would cover a double-digit spread against Illinois? Uh, Wisconsin. Virginia. And Wisconsin. And, and that's the list. Wisconsin? <laughs> that's the Wisconsin list. Wisconsin caught some good ball plays against, uh, against <laughs> Illinois, man. It was, it, was, it was a great thing, man. They caught some great, great, great ball plays, and I, just, I was just gushing over that's the list. Iowa can't throw the ball as well as Virginia, and they can't run the ball as well as Wisconsin. Maybe they win. They probably will win, but I do not trust this offense one bit. I'm taking Illinois. Coach. Can't can't feel the noise without Illinois. <laughs> All right. Coach is also going. No, I'm going Iowa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said that. I'm going Iowa. <laughs> Screw it. And uh, Brian Ferentz, you know, that, you know, horseshoe thing and blind squirrels. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think they can. I think they can look their way to, to a 14 point win, especially without birdie. Uh, Flo Rida, after giving up 42 points in one half to Samford, not Stanford. Samford last week uh, and 52 points in the game to them. Uh, they head to Mizzou and are still an eight and a half point favorite this in is Columbia, bad. Missouri. This, this is bad. Still favored. It's not like Missouri's that good, but they're terrible. But are they <laughs> eight and a half points worse than Florida? That's the real question. No, <sighs> not at God. this point. I, uh, you see, th- this is why, Josh, we don't do well in picks, is I make us pick games like this where there is no right answer. I'm going to... Uh, the right answer is Mizzou. Yeah, I'm going to take Mizzou. Josh. They, they've quit They've quit on They've quit on Mullen. Yeah, I, I was looking at Missouri's schedule because they're 5-5, five and five and I honestly haven't watched a minute of this this team. And I'm trying to think, who's Mizzou, who's... Florida most similar to that. Baby's a good play. running back. I like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I kind of He's decided counter all day. I kind of decided based on how uh, similar the game was or how close the game was when Florida and Kentucky played each other that I was like, okay, Florida and Kentucky are fairly similar. We'll 
Missouri only lost that game by seven. So uh, Missouri's hanging around games. Uh, Connor Bezalik, Bezalik, one of the worst centers. Uh, if Bezalik. Basically, if not for Ken Seals, he would have had the worst yeah. interception I've ever seen. Oh, Ken Seals had um, the worst interception yeah. I've ever seen right in front of my eyes. Yeah, but, you know, he's he's back and healthy. I think he missed some time. So I'm, I'm picking Missouri also. Clean sweep. I think teams are fe- smelling blood in the water when they play Florida. Yeah, they, Florida's completely quit. They, they, they've completely quit. Mullen is, Mullen is cooked at this point. So is that a clean sweep for us for Mizzou? Yeah, so, so you you know about to get fired. You know Florida's <laughs> about to win by two touchdowns. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Iowa State at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a three and a half point favorite here at home. I like Iowa State a lot in this spot, I think, because they I think Oklahoma might be really out of sorts, and I think Iowa State has veteran leadership and still has pride and is playing for something. So give me Iowa State not just to cover but to win outright in Norman. Josh. Yeah, the uh, you know, this game's gonna go one of two ways. It's it's gonna be either It's either gonna be a win or a loss for Iowa <laughs> no, State. <laughs> no, I, I was gonna say either Oklahoma oh. obliterates them mm-hmm. and Oklahoma gets back on track and or whatever we think is back on track, and Oklahoma blows them out by two, three, four touchdowns. But there's something about this Iowa State team. They are the most hard luck six and four team I've ever seen. They have just an awful first quarter performance against Texas Tech, just are getting blown out. And they fight their asses off to tie the game, only to lose on a 62 yard field goal. I think Iowa State is way better than their record indicates. They're playing for pride, it's their last time in Norman. I think Iowa State also wins. I'm going to take the tougher team, and we've all said that Oklahoma's soft as Charmin. So I'm going to give. I'm going to do the clowns. Give them. Give them to me. Give me the clowns. All right, Coach. Yeah, I. I'm going to stand by my Charmin Sooners uh, statement. I, I I think that they've got a. They're going. They're going to get. They're going to get beat here, and it's essentially a pick them. So you might as well just. Pick who's going to win. And so I, I think it's going to be Iowa State. All right. Um, UCLA at USC, the battle for Los Angeles. UCLA is a three-point favorite on the road in the Coliseum across town. I mean, I I am completely whatever the opposite of objective is here. I'm, I'm taking UCLA. They looked a little sluggish early against Colorado and then absolutely beat the brakes off of them in the second half. I think they might have been overlooking Colorado getting ready for this because they know that this is their year to take down USC. I think Keaton Slovis has gotten worse every year since he was a freshman. He's a junior now, and he still does not look very – and he he's down in like every single statistical category. Give me UCLA by – Give me UCLA by 10 in this one, Josh. Well, I'll be objective for you, Matt. Thanks. Um, UCLA is one and two in their last three. So that should cause concern. Well, not really, because they lost to Oregon and Utah, the two best teams in the conference. And the Oregon game went right down to the wire. USC is 
one and three in their last four. And they have been absolutely ugly in some of these games. Arizona State blew them out. Arizona State. I mean, that's absurd. And, and the their one win is the Wildcats of Arizona. And they only beat them by a touchdown. This Trojan team is just, they're bad, bad. <laughs> they're legitimately bad. So give me the Bruins. They're going to cover. Bruins are going to blow them out. Ooh. Ooh, nice pick, Josh. Great, great pick. <laughs> yeah, the USC's done, man. They're, they're, I don't know who they're going to hire. They might hire me, actually. Fight on. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm going UCLA here. It, it's a three-point spread. I feel like that's easy money. All right. Uh, finally, we had to retire Kansas from the uh, the final slot after beating Texas. They might actually start getting some respect. Yeah, and so someone had to be inserted there. It's the Power 5 team with the worst point differential in the country. Uh, the only Power 5 team for which I have season tickets, the Vanderbilt Commodores. 36-point dogs at Ole Miss. They... They don't know what they're doing. They don't know who's starting at quarterback, it seems, ever at this point. They're, they're just swapping out Ken Seals, Mike Wright. You know, you, you go to a Vanderbilt game. And look, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's on the road or at home. It was, It's going to be a 98% plus uh, Ole Miss crowd, no matter where this game is played. <laughs> Ole Miss in the Grove, I mean... Forget about it. Almost by almost by fifty. Josh. Ooh, I was going to uh, I was going to play a little game and say that the over under is sixty four and a half. Does uh, Ole Miss cover that on their on their own? I mean, I think they, um, they might win fifty one to zero, so maybe not. Yeah, I think Lane Kiffin is feeling it. He loved doing game day. He's obviously building something as culture wise there um he on arkansas didn't you know put up 50 some points against a team that we liked 60 points against tulane 43 against louisville we know that they can put up tons and tons and tons and tons of points and vanderbilt gives up tons and tons and tons of points i think the rebels i not just the rebels, like fans in general, but I, I really think Lane specifically wants to win out, wants to end 10 and two, wants to finish second in this division to springboard next year, go into recruiting, the offseason part of recruiting with that feather in his cap. I, I think he views this as an important game, believe it or not, in order to continue to raise the profile of Ole Miss. I don't think they let off. I'm with you, Matt. I think they put up a 50 spot in this one mm-hmm. and cover. Yeah. I mean, actually they might get bored. I, I see this as like <laughs> a 45 to three type game. I, I do think uh, Vanderbilt will get on the board somehow, but I, I do think this is going to be an easy cover, but I think, I think they're going to get to like 45, 49 and they're probably just going to get bored or get, or try to get cute and try to do some, do some crazy stuff or the backups might not play as well or, I don't know what whatever whatever you want to say about it, but um, whatever you want to say about it, it's going to be an easy cover. All right, well, that just about wraps it up, then, gents. Anything to add? 
Well, I just uh, I thought this was an interesting, interesting game in the wake of uh, Joseph Fuente's firing, which I think all of us had. I was very quickly out on Fuente, which um, it's so weird because he built up Memphis. He did good stuff at Memphis. I just always thought the fit with him and Virginia Tech didn't make any sense to me. I didn't like when they hired him. They basically forced him to keep Bud Foster, which, I mean, Bud Foster is a phenomenal Hall of Fame defensive coordinator. I just thought it was very weird optic-wise to not let him have decision-making on his own staff. So very strange marriage there that ultimately ended. Virginia Tech's opponent this week at Miami (laughs) – who just got rid of their athletic director, the end feels nigh for Manny Diaz, no? Oh, it's a wrap for Manny. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It is got, a wrap. Yeah, because he has no more protection with the AD out now. Yeah. So. It, it, it's a wrap for him. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it then here for us today. will have his pick. Freezes will have his pick oh, for God. for ACC Jones. No, nah, man. Liberty, Liberty has been uh, tank in the second half of the season. It don't matter. <laughs> I I, I hope I, I hope for for the sake of our friends in Coral Gables that Freezes is not coaching there next year, or anywhere besides Liberty because they deserve each other. So yeah. here's a uh, here's a rare double dipping of burying the lead. We buried their recap mm-hmm. and we buried their game. Our old friends Meep Meep, UTSA. Hosting seven and three, five and one in Conference USA, the UAB Blazers. It's gonna be a this good game one. has yeah, it's sadly been pushed to ESPN Plus, but if you can find it, watch this game. It's going to be some great Conference USA football. Yes, it is. I mean, that's that, right. that's maybe the game of the year in the conference. Hopefully the title game is the game of the year, but yeah, at least in the regular season. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us here today on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is the Professor Emeritus in Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Miami and Toledo bowling. They won tonight. Me, me. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.